The social service agency Children's Home and Aid is getting a new name. That's one of the things you need to know to start your day for Friday, May 26th. I'm Ryan Denham, and this is WGLT's The Leadoff. Support for The Leadoff on WGLT and WGLT.org comes from the Central Illinois Regional Airport in Bloomington. Connecting business and leisure travelers to the world on American, Delta, Frontier, and Allegiant. CIRA, your trip starts here. Details at CIRA.com. Now let's lead off with that big name change for a social service agency with a longtime presence in Bloomington Normal. WGLT correspondent Michelle Steinbacher reports. The agency known for more than a century as Children's Home and Aid is switching things up with a new name, Bright Point. Founded as a 19th century charity with group homes or orphanages, the nonprofit has grown into a broad social services agency. Mike Shaver heads the statewide organization that serves 30,000 families in nearly 70 Illinois counties. He says the name Bright Point better reflects that evolution of working with children and parents. It's hard to present yourself as an organization that has a two-generation approach if what people hear in your name is homes for children. The group has launched its Bright Point rebranding. Its leaders are using the opportunity to spread the word about what the organization does. Here's Central Regional Vice President Mendy Smith who is based in Bloomington. We're looking at the family. So whether or not you come in as a student in our early childhood center or a parent in behavioral health, we're looking at that dyadic model, that parent-child relationship, the caregivers, the community even at times, on who's working with that family. Bright Point leaders say their goal is to strengthen families to avoid crisis points. Shaver says one way is by recognizing equity issues. Not all families have access to the resources to be the best parent that they can be. Shaver says Bright Point wants to build that access, provide support for children and parents, and connect the families with community resources. For The leadoff, I'm Michelle Steinbacher. Here's some other stories we're following in the WGLT newsroom. The Bloomington Normal Area's jobless rate held steady at 3.4% in April, the same as this time last year. The local economy has added about 1,400 jobs in that time, mostly in manufacturing and leisure and hospitality. Illinois Wesleyan says it's hired its first vice president for diversity, equity, and inclusion, Dakisa Pena. Pena is currently in a similar role at ISU's College of Education. And Bloomington's holiday pool opens for the summer season tomorrow. O'Neill is closed for construction. In normal, Fairview Pool opens tomorrow, and Anderson opens June 3rd. You can find more on these stories at WGLT.org. proposed housing development in Bloomington would get up to $4.5 million in tax incentives if the city council approves. That money would come at the expense of several taxing bodies, including Bloomington Public Schools, through what's called a TIF district. TIF is an economic development tool in which tax revenue generated by a certain project is spent on that area, an area that's usually underdeveloped. District 87 Superintendent David Mauser tells WGLT's Eric Stock he supports the tax incentive plan with one caveat. What you hope for is that you, that you have a good relationship with the city so that they come to you and kind of let you know what the plan is. Uh, and then that, that allows us to be able to plan and, and hopefully be able to support what we do. And, th- and this that was the case here. Uh, I will say we found out about it uh, just over a week ago, some of the initial discussions. So, of course, our questions are, well, if this, if, if this residential development brings new students, how do we make that right? And so we've already had discussions with the city about uh, ways to be able to offset some of those costs should the development bring new students. 
I will say the location that they're looking at is a location that we currently are not receiving uh, really any benefit from in terms of like tax revenue. Um, and so in a lot of ways, we're excited to try to support the city in terms of what they're trying to do to expand, create developments, create opportunities and bring in businesses and, and of course, uh, you know, residential in this case. But, you know, at the end of the day, tips are always something that are concerning and you just hope you have a positive relationship enough to, to have the, uh, the city willing to help offset some of the costs of do right by schools. Thoughts on wrapping up your first year at District 87? How did it go? It's it's fantastic. You know, I I'm trying to get like emotional here. You know, I think when you're in education, um, you you know you seek ways to be able to create an impact and to create relationships that you know you can kind of lay your head on the pillow at night and feel good about. And and um, you know it was a big move for me. It was a change. You know, to me, I've been um, surrounded with open arms, uh, welcomed with open arms. I've been um, I've had the opportunity to learn so much uh, in in the area of diversity. Um, and and to me, that's been what's been most fun about this year is just getting a chance to see uh, what happens in our 10 buildings on a daily basis, get to create those relationships with students and families and teachers. And um, District 87 is a really great place. And while you wrap up your first year, Diane Wolf is wrapping up her last year at District 87 after 17 years, over 30 in education as she is retiring. Why now? It's time. It's an exciting time for my family and myself. And um, I have been so, so lucky to end my career where I started in District 87. It has been wonderful to work with Dr. Mauser in his first year of being in District 87. And um, I just think it is time to let the next generation of leaders take their stand and lead with integrity and trust. What's been the biggest change in education since you started going full circle from starting at District 87 and ending at District 87? You know, this is funny because I was thinking about this today um, on my way over here is that it's been technology and the way that technology has integrated. When I started teaching at Bloomington High School, um, I took all my attendance by hand. We had phones in our rooms to call parents. There was no email. There were, I didn't have a computer in my room. And now we have, um, all of our students have a one-to-one device of which they can access the world. So the role of the teacher has changed so much. And on the subject of technology, the latest technology on the forefront of education, and I guess everything now, is artificial intelligence. Mm -hmm. College professors have raised concerns about students using it to cheat. Has that reached K through 12 classrooms yet? You know, it absolutely has. It's something that we are monitoring and looking at, not as a deficit, something that can be harmful, um, but let's look at it how it could help our students as well. And I think that the whole world, as we see it in education, but as a society, we're going to have to get back to a root belief that uh, the human mind has to be a critical thinker. And so even if AI puts something on a piece of paper, I really truly believe that people still need to be able to say, oh, that's a good idea, but, and it's still extended out. That was District 87 Superintendent David Mauser and retiring Assistant Superintendent Diane Wolf speaking with Eric Stock. Before we let you go, a heads up, there will not be a new episode of The Lead Off on Monday morning due to Memorial Day. We'll see you back here on Tuesday. And that's it for today. I'm Ryan Denham, and the show was produced by Colin Winkleman. You can subscribe to The Lead Off podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google, or the NPR app.